Hey, everybody. Uh, I thought I would take a minute to explain last week's preamble, which we neatly forgot to explain in the entire podcast. Hugh read a little poem he'd written, didn't you, Hugh? Yeah. Who was it about? Hetty McGetty. Um, <laughs> the world famous Hetty yes. McGetty. <laughs> um, despite apparently being an heir to the Getty fortune, we're still forced to pay for our own photos off the website, which seems a, seems a shame. Um, yeah. uh, so that was all about, uh, over the last couple of podcasts, um, we were talking, we talked at various lengths about Toto's Africa and how nothing rhymes with Serengeti. And then two weeks ago, um, Mr. Stir came on and listed a load of stuff in the interview about things that did rhyme with Serengeti, including spaghetti. Um, and Hugh came up with a poem to just rub my nose in it to prove me wrong, really. Have Isn't we shared right, it Kate? with Toto? I probably should. Probably should. Yeah, it I seems might. it was inspired by. Yeah, their they might tune. change their songs so they talk their about uh, Kilimanjaro tune. rising above Hetty Maggetti. <laughs> <laughs> that is ominous. <laughs> yes. You never know. Well, I feel. I feel while Mister Stir raised something of a point, you are correct, Tom, in that if you're using, if you're talking about rhyming as rhymes are supposed to be, as in, canning rhymes with banning right to say serengeti rhymes with spaghetti is, is not right it's not correct because the two words do not scan it's simply the end of the word so to say that they rhyme is a rather generous description from our friend i think but nonetheless i created the poem and, and you were very proud of it i was very proud of it yeah <laughs> but I, I feel tom is actually correct in saying that Good nothing Lord. or at least very little rhymes with serengeti <laughs> Shall we get on with it? That's enough of this nonsense. Let's do it. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Hello. Hello, I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning, and welcome to episode 102 of the Real Reading Podcast. Rachel is cheering, no one can see her cheering, but that's because I won't have to edit out a large pause while we wait for Hugh to say, I'm Hugh Fort <laughs> this week. Um, you can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod, and you can search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. And um, we've got a view of some of the week's headlines. Um, a twist on the Reading Prison Saga. It's not exactly a U-turn, is it, Hugh? It's a it's a twist. Is it? It's a plot twist. It's a slight. It's a slight plot deviant, I'd say. <laughs> okay. Fine. Um, is it hopeful deviant? De- no, not uh, deviant. That's different. Deviants. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a uh, yeah. Yes, it will give some people some hope. Um, we've also got a bizarre bike theft hotspot uh, at the Oracle, which uh, seems very strange. And uh, we'll be asking the question, just what is truly affordable housing? 
Um, I don't know if we've got an answer to it, but we'll talk about it nonetheless. Uh, this week's big interview is with Dave Moore. You may have heard him on this podcast a number of times. Usually he is speaking about uh, running music festivals like Are You Listening and Down the Abbey. But this week, uh, it is apparently it's Shop Local Week, according to Reading MP Alok Sharma. Um, hashtag shop local. So we thought we'd uh, do a bit on that. And uh, Dave has launched a new website supporting Reading's independence uh, called uh, theindieshopper.co.uk. So go and check that out. Um, oh, I suppose let's talk about last week just briefly. And uh, last week's episode, I think, guys, went pretty well. We had Paul Mann from Elm Park Royals on. We talked about a load of stuff, different voice. Um, it went so well, we thought we'd just do it with the three of us again this week because <laughs> we don't want to be too successful. Um, but I was 17... disappointed, actually, Tom. Oh, yes. Sorry, sorry, I know. Go on. Because I wanted to ask Tom what he thought of his rivals, whether he thought that they were Paul, Ma- Paul Mann's Paul Mann's. <laughs> but uh, sadly, this was lost. Game back. Paul will be be back. I've I've put him on a monthly rotation, so Paul will be back. Um, 1,700 downloads last week. Um, It's been a while since we hit numbers like that. Um, Just just wonderful. Um, It helped a lot that I wrote an article that suggested there was an open lake swimming, which there is, uh, and loads of people went and read it and then subsequently listened to the podcast, which was brilliant. So hopefully some of those have become subscribers. Uh, Hopefully they weren't all put off by our nonsense so we're we're terrible poetry yes um well i mean i i think that um the poetry would only have increased the likelihood that they would click on the subscribe button i don't know how you feel i mean it appeals to the academics doesn't it i mean poetry of that quality yes maybe i'll write another one i think you should this time next week if we choose a word uh, and then and then you have to write a poem around it that that sounds good um do you want a bit of feedback yeah go on oh Uh, well only if it's nice oh yeah Yeah. no of course it's always nothing to do with being uh a few weeks ago we had a random question around uh reading staycation ideas yes and we came up with almost nothing but um (laughs) it was pretty good nonetheless uh sandy chamberlain sent us uh one she's suggested alpaca and llama picnic experience outings this is oh, I've heard of that. More in Mortimer, mm. of all places. Um, walk with them, patting them, and picnic with them. An amazing experience for all ages. They then, they at some point apparently plan to do packer proposals, which I guess is uh, marriage proposals with alpacas. Which ones are alpacas? Are they the ones that look like the two-headed um, thing from Doctor Doolittle? The push me pull you. Yeah, the push me pull you. That's it. Uh, well. I mean, alpacas and llamas are quite similar, aren't they? I think Maybe so. Maybe yeah. alpacas are a bit hairier. Which one spits? Because yeah. you llamas. Well, I uh, don't know. They probably both do. They're probably wearing. Well, you can make stuff out of alpaca fluff. Okay. Like, you can make wool out of their fluff. Okay. Beyond that, they're quite toothy and spitty. <laughs> but they love going for a walk at a picnic. Not not good in the current climate. Let's uh, <laughs> let's no. say that. Um, if you'd like to send us some feedback, uh, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. 
Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, we had a long meeting yesterday to plan today's show. Um, obviously, you know, we, we've, we've chewed the fat. We, we talked about all sorts of things. Do you know what we came up with? How are you keeping cool? To be fair, it's all I can think about right yeah. now. <laughs> so, um, Rach, how are you keeping cool? In a short answer, I'm not. Yeah, we're <laughs> past it, aren't we, I think? Yeah, it's... Um... Well, this morning I've been stood in the paddling pool for a bit. Yeah. That helped briefly. Um, what else? I had a fan, um, but that was my mum's, so I no longer have said fan. Uh Wearing as few clothes as is decent. <laughs> yes, we, we can we can tell. You can dear, verify that I am wearing some clothes. So dear listener, it is quite a sight. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way, right? Of course, of course. Yes, of course. Um, and just, I haven't ventured outside during the day very much. No, probably why. But in the evening, yesterday, uh, I'm enjoying sitting out of an evening in the garden. Yeah. With a book or whatever. Uh, and then I went back out at about 10 o'clock last night in an attempt to see this meteor shower that was meant to come okay, over. Yes. Um, I saw lots of satellites and lots of lightning, mm. but no meteors. So I don't know if any of you guys uh, spotted this. It was meant to be the best night last Oh, was it tonight? Not sure. It was clear skies last night, certainly. So. I didn't see any anyway. Okay. It, it occurs to me that obviously we're recording this slightly earlier in the week. By the time that this comes out on Friday, it could well be absolutely hammering it down and all of this great content will be wasted. Um, <laughs> Hugh, what are you doing to keep cool? Failing miserably. We are rubbish uh, in this country. We uh, really with, are. With, the, with any kind of weather that isn't 17 degrees <laughs> and slightly cloudy. Um, We'd still uh, moan about that though. If you go on holiday to a hot country, every single hotel room has an air conditioning unit in it. Yeah. Right. Uh, getting hold of an air conditioning unit for your house in this country costs you about £2,000. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we just, the, the way we try to cope with hot weather is just to complain about it. <laughs> and uh, I, I, this room, as we know, as we've discussed, this room is normally quite cool, but today it's pretty hot. Um, but I went out on, what was it? Monday evening. I tried, I went, tried to go for a walk and like when I went outside, it was like getting off a plane when, <laughs> when you're on holiday, this stifling heat hit me. Yeah. Air was so warm. And I just walked down to the co-op, which is about what, 200 yards from here. And I thought, that's enough. And I went into the co-op because I know that their, their air conditioning would be on. And I went and stood by one of the freezers pretending to deliberate over which ice cream I wanted. When I, in fact, I just wanted to put my head in the freezer. Um, and that's that's essentially it. Yeah, these thunderstorms, we, uh, we've been promised haven't materialised. Yeah, still waiting. By, the, by this point. Um, it was so hot on Tuesday night. It was so warm. Yeah, some it was unbelievable. It was one of the warmest nights in the history of Reading weather. I have oh, been really? told tropical no. night they called it. It did, uh, it did by feel my tropical. friend Roger Bruges at the university, who's the weather expert. Oh. 
at one point yesterday i did have my feet in a bucket of cold water but it didn't stay cold for very long um and also i went up to calcutt sainsbury's and it was a bit you know sort of when you're when you're on holiday somewhere sort of not necessarily tropical but kind of sort of in spain somewhere and you're you're walking along in a town and it's sort of got that heat that's coming off the road and it's sort of there's a certain smell as well it was just like that but calcutt sainsbury's so saved an awful lot of money for that experience didn't have to fly anywhere <laughs> Um, it's different Rachel. when you're on holiday, though, isn't it? True. You don't mind, yeah. You just don't mind. I think I'm sure it's a different kind of heat, first of all. But also, like, even if you choose to walk somewhere, have a little mooch in around the local town or whatever, you know that you can then go back, put your swimmers on, go in the pool, chill by the pool. Oh, I'm a bit warm. I'll get back in the pool. Oh, now I'm <laughs> thirsty. I'll have a cocktail and then I'll get back in the pool. And yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what we're lacking. Rach, just one thing you mentioned yesterday on the planning on our planning session was um, yeah, you said about people jumping off Sonning Bridge. Is that right? Yeah, I, I mean I've seen this before quite a number of times, but I drove through there on Monday evening, and um, there was a lot of sort of teenage kids jumping off of the little footbridge that goes over on the Thames path. Um, I've never seen as many people as that down there. Uh, and there was a couple of uh, PCSOs stood on the, the road bridge, kind of observing, making sure that people weren't doing anything really crazy, I guess. Um, but Hugh, I think you said that that little stretch of river is actually fairly tame if you're going to do it. Not I'm not sure I it. would. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd feel safe just because you don't know what's under the water. Yeah, no, well, this is the reason that I bring that up, Rach, because uh, I saw on the Berkshire Live Facebook page, and um, there's a picture from the Royal Borough Royal Berkshire Fire and Rescue Service of a load of stuff they've pulled out of the of the Thames. I think it is, uh, mm. and there's two old bikes, um, a, a trolley, um, a bunch of metal stuff and what appears to be a signpost pole with some cement attached to the bottom so you've only got to get your foot caught yeah. in any of that and yeah you're done, you're done for, for aren't you yeah which is terrifying and you know not even just rubbish you know if you jumped in and got your foot tangled in a load of you know yeah. weeds or whatever that's at the bottom i don't know um <laughs> you just don't know but then i wouldn't jump off off of Hugh's favourite <laughs> high board into central so <laughs> and you can you can see I what's at the bottom of there. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't really know. I understand why they they are doing it to keep cool and it's fun and everything. I just don't think I would. And I certainly wouldn't at Reading Bridges. No. no. Not with the weir, like dangerously close. <laughs> if you went through that, you really wouldn't come back up. Yeah, you? no. Shall we uh, move on to the news? Hey guys, uh, it's time to chat about the news. We we have um, we decided it was a, a diversion. Was it? A, did we call it a diversion, Hugh? Is that what we said? Divert. Di Anyway, whatever it was, Historic England have um, given some hope that uh, Reading Prison may not become homes. Yes, 
um, this is Matt Ronner, the Reading East MP, um, who has been working on a... He has revealed details, shall we say. He's not been working on it. He has revealed details of a historic England, which is the government's sort of heritage watchdog mm. uh, report, which essentially says um, we support, um, first of all, the prison being controlled by Reading Borough Council, uh, uh, the use of it rather being controlled by Reading Borough Council, and also um, that it we'd very much like to see it as some sort of cultural centre yeah, rather than um, to be used as housing. I'll just read a quick bit about what the, the report says. It says, the council's concept of a cultural hub and the future of the wider site needed to be developed with consideration of the broader strategic needs of the town, including the aspirations for a theatre. Um, Matt Rodder said uh, in response to that, the government's own heritage watchdog has supported calls for Reading Jail to be turned into an arts hub. I'm now calling on the Ministry of Justice to rethink its plan to sell the jail off and turn it into luxury flats. Um, I believe the jail should be saved and turned into an arts and heritage hub for our community and the country as a whole. Um, Hugh, I thought, I was under the impression, I think, Rach, you raised this with us as well. Um, hasn't it already been sold? Isn't this too late? Yes, that's what I understand. That's my understanding of it. It's, the sale is completed. We don't know who, who owns it. Um, but the um, unless it has gone back, back up for sale... Um, which I don't think it has. Um, it is it is privately owned, and so while the council has will have very strong arguments against whatever plans come out for it, potentially, um, and influence over that. I.e., that if someone comes up with a housing plan that the council does not like and does not think is good for the town, they can refuse that plan. Um, but. Um, I'm not entirely sure what what Matt Rodder means when when he's calling for it not to be sold for housing. When my understanding is it already has been sold, um, perhaps a little bit more digging is needed on this. Could could the council make it difficult? For essentially, essentially, if there were strong planning reasons to refuse the application, and we've talked before about how the developers already facing a very tricky situation due to it being right next to Reading Abbey and parts of the Abbey being underneath the prison. Um, yeah, the council, it's not not necessarily the case of the council can refuse it if it doesn't like it. It has to find reasons under planning law to refuse it, um, which is why a lot of applications where, where people have opposed it have been refused because the council can't find strong enough reasons to refuse it itself. What, what the council doesn't want is an appeal to lose a planning appeal. Um, so to refuse something for invalid reasons and then the developer to come back and um, appeal, win the appeal, and then the council kind of loses control of the, the application and what gets built where. Um, so so they they would not want that but if they they feel there's strong reasons under planning law to uh to refuse any application on the prison at all even if it was someone trying to build a culture cultural center which didn't say if there's someone wanted to build a for example off the top of my head someone wanted to build a cultural center with 500 car park spaces right and the council said that's far too many cult car park spaces for something in that area you're going to cause a traffic jam all day every day in the most busy part of reading um, they could refuse it on those grounds, for example. So, there are those are the sort of planning um, planning reasons 
but you can't under planning planning law doesn't just allow you to refuse something just because you don't like like the idea of it so that's what the power of the council uh holds over whatever gets built there but we still don't know who owns it what what their plans are for it and matt rodder is nobly fighting and trying to get some answers out of the government on what what what's going to happen what might happen to it um but in terms of the sale the, maybe they, it's not complete maybe a sale was agreed and it hasn't actually completed yet yeah we need to find out don't we this is obviously raising a um, raising a question we don't quite know the answer to but certainly we've published that the, the sale was complete when the ministry of justice confirmed that to us hmm. um so unless Matt Rodder knows something that we that we don't know, that's entirely possible. He's close to the coal face, as it were. Um, then, then it could be the case it's gone back up for sale, or I, I don't know. But um, because the presumably is quite an interesting bit, really, isn't it? Because where it is, there isn't a council or ncp car park anywhere nearby no you've so got the retail was, yeah you've got the retail part which is you, all, you get fined for parking fined, there and yeah. leaving the the retail park yeah i don't know that's a long way down the line that, that 500 parking spaces was just something i plucked out of the top of my head so uh, yeah but, <laughs> but um, it just made me think if you're going to put a theater or something in there you need to have some form of parking nearby this is true it's not that far from queen's road is it that's the nearest public no. car park that's pretty pretty close to it. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see um, what materialises. Um, should we move on to the next piece? We were we were looking at um, this this slightly odd thing um, around bike thefts um, because there is apparently a blackout spot, a, a black spot uh, at the Oracle in in Reading Town Centre, uh, and people's bikes keep getting nicked. It's it's quite strange because obviously on the script, you, I don't know if you guys have got it open in front of you, but we've got bikes being nicked. And on the in the script of the picture above is the picture we were talking about uh, of what was pulled out of uh, pulled out of the river, and it is bikes. So um, it's 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 a it's an it's a slightly uh, I suppose coincidence I guess but um, Rach I know uh, your your husband Rich bless him has had some some experience with bike theft of recently and um, it does seem strange that the Oracle for everything that it's got does have black spots especially where there is a bike rack to put bikes you'd think that that would be well covered yeah he has um, yeah Rich is. I wouldn't say he was a keen cyclist, but he does cycle to work every day. He did have one bike stolen it, from the back, like round the back of our house. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the alleyway where the bike should perhaps have gone into the shed. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, so we'll just leave that there. Um, yeah, but it does, uh, it does strike me as being, it's all a bit hip is hypocritical the word is that the word that i want you know if we're spending all this money we've talked about a couple of weeks ago in investing in cycle lanes and encouraging people to to use um use their bikes more um to to reduce congestion well it seems a bit pointless if people can't be confident that if they do those things and leave them bikes in a designated bike rack that they aren't going to be safe there yeah it's um and you can't sort of have 
a security guard, I guess, manning the, <laughs> the the bike racks all the time. But you know, some of the major ones, like out the back of um, the the Caversham side of the the train station, there's a huge one there mm. um, at the Oracle. I mean, like you're just saying that there is security cameras, but there's obstructions so you can't see it. So that if if your bike gets stolen, no one will bother looking at the footage because. They won't yeah. get a clear picture of who took it anyway. Um, just, just, it just um, all seems a bit counterproductive. Why yeah. you're promoting it on one hand and yet not supporting the cyclists to, yeah. to sort of know that their bike will be safe if they do so. Until we'd started talking about this, I think it's something I'd not really ever thought about, but I've never ridden my bike into town and I don't think I would ride my bike into town and leave it because you know spent a lot of time using the train station and just even just the vandalism of bikes that are yeah. left on the bike racks um is 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 something that you know that's always as i say not, i don't think I'd, I'd physically i'd mentally thought about it but i definitely don't do it and it's because i wouldn't generally want to leave my bike in town if i have somewhere to put it fine um, but uh, it does seem. I think that, that looking at the looking at the article on on this, it's the, it's not that the CCTV is narrow, so it's blocked by trees, which seems like there's such a simple solution to um, to fixing that problem. Well, they cut the trees back or move the camera. Yeah. <laughs> like what's what's the point of having the camera there if it can't see anything? Yes, quite. It's obviously um, not acting as a deterrent, even, is it? No, and I, it it does seem to be. I, I, I don't know whether I don't know whether CCTV is a deterrent to bike theft or not. I'm not sure. It, it still goes on, and CCTV is on bike racks, but uh, I don't know. Think about C your face, and yeah. like, no one will ever track you down. Yeah, all you have to do is put your hood up to uh, mm. to avoid CCTV. Um, but it seems like yeah, you're not going to catch anyone and prosecute them if you, all you've got is footage of foliage is it <laughs> um, no and uh there is a real issue with bike thefts around reading from all the uh the public bike parking areas um it happens all the time and so um so uh we um there's something something that needs to be done i think things are in place um and someone has been arrested in connection to this particular bike theft yeah um but yeah we'll have to again sort of wait and see about what what solutions are, are provided who know i don't know what the tree i couldn't tell you what the tree is in the oracle um and whether it might be protected or something that's causing an issue or i don't know but um it seems like like we all think having cutting cutting at least part of the tree trimming down the tree so at least the camera can see where it's supposed to supposed to see is um, of course the um the, the trouble with all of this is if people can't leave their bikes in a bike rack, but they still need to cycle, it it leads to more people buying those ankle assaulting Bromptons, which kind of <laughs> you kick, you accidentally hit you yeah. on a train or, or, you know, oh dear. Anyway, don't get me started. On they that. look like such hard work to me. They really the, do. The wheels are about as big as a tea plate, <laughs> aren't they? And you just have, must have to pedal yeah. 10 times harder than a normal bike to go anywhere. I think the biggest issue is that the, the uh, it comes back to this thing about trying to get people to use alternative methods of transport, and then you take your bike into Reading and leave it there, and someone nicks it. Yeah, 
What yeah. happens to the bike? Do they sell them on, do you think? I, I like, don't know. If they no. steal all these bikes, is it for personal use? Or, <laughs> or have they got little bikes? I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what they do. I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? And they happen, it it's not weird. just Reading. It happens in other towns. There's, there's prolific bike thieves. We've done a couple of stories about prolific bike thieves being sent to prison. So there's, there's either like a... I mean, you could... If you were uh, that way inclined, and if you needed, how should I put it? If you, if you needed a certain amount of money, you could nick nick a bike that was much more expensive, and it'd nick an expensive bike, and then sell it for much less to get the money you need for for what you want. If you see what I mean. Um, Choosing your words carefully. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like you'd you'd sell the bike and then sell it on nick the bike and sell it on ebay for a massive profit it's probably yeah. a quick a quick win steal a bike flog it to someone use that money for what you need yeah. I, w- I would guess um i don't know but um that seems that seems quite an obvious thing um but it's like, like i say if you want people to use their bikes and cycle into town you need secure storage for them and not for that person to spend all day in london or at work in reading and then come back and find their bike's not there yeah Okay. Um, the the last bit we were just going to talk about. Um, so Southgate Library is uh, closed. It has been closed for some time. Um, it's going to become flats. This seems, uh, it's another one of those old more flats, but it does seem sensible. It's a housing estate. Housing estates have houses in them. The library, I believe, has moved into the community centre or part of the library has moved into the community centre. Oh, so there um, is still one. Yeah, still, yeah. still there. But I think the thing that struck me on this story was that it's going to have truly affordable housing. And I was just curious if we sort of know what truly affordable housing is, because I suppose truly affordable housing might be like a couple of hundred quid, depending on... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I just, Wouldn't that be nice? I wondered if we had any feeling about what what that was, because obviously you have affordable housing, and I, I'm, if I'd have bothered to do any research into it, I'd be able to give you a an idea of how much a, an affordable home cost. Um, I suspect it's still quite a lot, um, but I, I just wondered what this idea of truly affordable housing was. I don't know if, if you know, Hugh, what at are all. Are you looking for a number? 70% of market rate, rental rate. So ah, okay. If you were a private renter, renter charging a thousand pounds a month, the rate for these flats would be seven hundred pounds a month. So cheaper, cheaper yeah. accommodation for people who don't. For it, it's essentially council housing, but would be run by a housing association on behalf of the council, who would charge lower rates of rent to people who are who would be in line for council housing, but as it stands, there isn't enough council housing to go around to meet the demand. So the council sort of outsources the management of these places and the and the building of these. The conversion of the library will be paid for by this housing association and then it will rent out um, the, uh, the flats within to people on the housing list who have been waiting for a long, presumably waiting for quite a long time, but they're not suitable or yeah there's not there's not enough council housing going around to go around if you see what i mean so that's what the idea is and the um there'll be more stuff like this more i would imagine more council-owned buildings yeah. um i think whitley library is going probably going to go the same way 
I think Whitley Library was put up for sale. Closing was put up for sale as well. I could be okay. wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to stick my, stick my neck out and just say that's definite, but I think that might be the case. Um, and there's, there's various sort of pockets around the area, right? The old council buildings being knocked down and replaced with, with flats and council council flats and new projects to build council housing reading is a very good area for for the building of of social housing it always has been i was reading something saying it always has been a good area going back years and years and years um but it's the problem with reading has is there's, there's limited land so quite often it's converting or demolishing stuff that's already there and replacing it um and yeah it's it's a, a affordable housing essentially is just lower rent lower rent um for people who can't afford property in um in the area at the prices that private landlords would charge thanks you um that will do for part one uh, today and part two we'll be chatting with dave moore about a new website called the indieshopper.co.uk The Big Interview. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm here with Dave Moore. Dave, um, people may have heard of you. We've spoken a lot of times. Um, you are usually a, uh, a sort of a music event promoter um, yep. and that kind of thing, but you've, you've got something a bit different going on. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, yeah, so... Obviously, right, normally I'd be doing music um, and events of various natures, um, but obviously can't do that um, with everything going on. So I had this idea a couple of months ago, maybe. I don't know. Like I keep saying to people, I've lost all track of time. <laughs> what concept time is anymore? But during the lockdown, I had this um, moment. I was chatting to someone and, and we were talking about just in like um, independent businesses and um they work in different fields to me. We're just chatting about things in, in general, you know. And it's sort of dawned on me after this conversation about how quite a lot of people want to support independent businesses and maybe don't know how to go about it. And also a lot of people who run those businesses, obviously very busy running their own businesses and maybe aren't really aware of other people who are in a similar world to them or actually could have a crossover with potential collaboration and uh, all just a you know support network, I think, for if nothing else. I think at times like this, I think it's quite nice to maybe who actually understands what you're going through and stuff because you know from our from our point of view there's you know obviously we're our own business and 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 the industry we work in is as is well, well as been documented is not work where it's closed basically um so i mean i've got other friends who work in sort of regular like regular employment you know <laughs> and have our pension schemes and holiday and all that sort of stuff and um and obviously they're 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 very um, supportive and athletic, but obviously it's my experience. And the experience I've been having through lockdown is quite different to theirs to their one, for example. Um, so through that kind of realizing that being independent and doing anything is great in in many ways, it can also at times be quite isolating and a lonely place. Um, so I just thought, well, there was a way to kind of showcase that these businesses um, exist, and maybe as well, but if there's it could be support there for other businesses they will get in contact with one another because you may not realize there's another company down the road who just like yeah. them, or, or they might just like different to you but actually maybe you could work together and collaboration i mean you, you see it quite a lot 
um, with like, the feed markets and some of the indie markets, and also with some of the like, people like Double Barreled and, and Soren who have their tap rooms bringing in the external food catering and things like this, and, and people collaborating in, in, in that way. Um, so that's sort of the general idea of it, really. And then um, my house at Rich, he's a designer and, and a web guy, and, and he's he's the guy who, you know, uh, with me, we sort of put it together, basically. So it's called the Indie Supper. Is what this, um, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. You you made a you made a point there about um, sort of the the, the like you may not know there's another independent store or something similar down the street from you. It, it strikes me that um, I, I feel like not a lot of people know there are a lot of independents in Reading because yeah. it doesn't quite hit you in the face when you walk into Reading. It, it's Oracle, it's Broad Street Mall, it's it's those sorts of things. Whereas if you go to somewhere like Winchester, it's like every single shop. Right. is an independent store and um, maybe maybe it's just the banks that are you know the the sort of the nationals and it, so so when you come into reading it doesn't quite and, and i guess that's possibly where this this might sit as a sort of uh, as a promotional tool what 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 are your sort of feelings on the on the independent business scene in reading i think it's a good one actually um and through doing this i've come across a lot of business i didn't know i didn't know existed and some actually i've, I've walked past probably you know, a lot. And yeah. Really, yeah. Because I've maybe because I haven't noticed and used that business. I just maybe haven't noticed that flags in it. But I think it is good. I and mean, obviously, it's, it's no no secret that you know everyone's struggling. You know, and a lot of these, especially independent businesses that are who have been able to reopen, aren't operating to how they were before. Or at least not at the moment. And and then obviously got these schemes like the you know the eat out to help out scheme, which I think is, is really good. But at the same time, part of me is quite critical that. You've got people like Costa on there, and for the big chains as well as which I which I know they've also you can either take a hit and they're saying employ people and I don't and lose their jobs or anything, but I just think well maybe that you know that's not quite the same as a Pret or a Costa is not really the same as someone who who has a small coffee shop or a small cafe. Yeah, you know, um, I think they're different. They're operating different spheres, you know. Um, <laughs> Where would would you say sort of Reading has a has a hub of India? Where where would you say its sort of centre is? Where that sort of if you if I was going into town first time and I sort of thought oh, I want to go and see some independent businesses, where's the first place you'd say to go to that I could hit sort of almost maximum independence? Uh, good question, isn't it? Really, I mean probably the Harris Arcade. I think most people in there are independent. Yeah, you know, quite a few people we've listed in there already are all. You know, Sound Machine and the Grumpy Goat, and you've got like Top Gun tattooing in there, Jim's uh, Emporium. <laughs> I always call it Emporium, <laughs> but you know, uh, you've, got you've got a mixture of shops. So, probably the Harris Arcade, because obviously the Oracle is obviously for the big boys, that's no yeah. secret, you know. Um, and Broad Street, um, I think there is some independence in there, but again, I think it's, it's also, again, it's the bigger brands, you know, the High yeah. Street, you know, TK Maxx, and um, et cetera. And of course, there's other ones scattered around. I mean, sometimes it, I, I guess maybe in the ideal world, it'd be quite nice if there was like a one big area that was focused on those type of businesses. But obviously, it doesn't work with that with business rates. So then you've got obviously places like Shed and Milk who come down little side roads. Um, you know, but I mean, a lot of them are quite close together in the town centre. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more out there than I first realised. I, I've I've found the same doing this podcast. I've I've found so many interesting people to talk to over the last couple of years, and you know, include yourself in that. But um, you kind of you suddenly realise that actually, if you just take a minute to look, 
um you know it's there do do you feel like do, do you see do you feel like at all there's sort of almost a a pressure to to go independent to 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 buy independent do you do you think that's a good or a, or a bad thing because i i sort of see it both ways um i'm not sure about a pressure so much i mean i you know i you know i will buy my lunch from an independent place, for example, but I also, you know, I bought a sandwich from Manessa the other day, you yeah. know? So, I mean, I think, I think it's more about shining a light on it and making people aware a bit more, I think, that I, I'm not sure. And also, depending on, you know, it depends obviously, you know, the money in your pocket, all these factors and where, and where you're going. Sometimes, you know, obviously, it's a bit more convenient to go to a Tesco Express because it's nearer, you get uh, whatever, or, you know, it's on your, or it's on your, your flight line or where you're going. Um, but I mean, the, like going back to the industry shopping, but the idea is it's kind of a directory and, and we want to kind of like a focal point for people over, over time. Obviously, it's, it's only been alive, you know, just over a week, 10 days, or wherever it's been now. Um, it's to make people aware, uh, look, you know, if you're on the high street, yeah, if you, yeah, fine, if you want to, you know, go to Sainsbury's or Pret or whoever, for example, for your lunch, that's that's fine, obviously, you know. Um, but, you know, by the way, have you thought about picnic, for example? You know, that's around the corner, or you know, do you know <laughs> things like that? Maybe just to give people the option, if nothing else. Like, you know, we're not gonna, you know, we we're not gonna sort of be shoving people down their throat. But I just think it's important that people realise these these businesses are there, you know, and it's it is, it is people that are obviously trying to strive to you know set their own path, you know, and um, and just trying to get through a very weird situation. And also, I think you know with the more independent ones there's just more of a community spirit there's more of a feel you get to know people more um which you're not going to get going to mcdonald's or whatever you yeah. know it's not you're not going to have the same relationship you know whereby if you're going to some reason and if you're going there you know once a week or once a month or or maybe just go there christmas i don't think it really matters like i don't think it really matters it's <laughs> like joey do you in case you're going somewhere because you want to support them and i think obviously, obviously if you need some more regular than the end you can build that rapport with people and and uh, you know, and we're quite keen for it to have a quite keen for it to have a kind of a face-to-face -face interaction with people. So we've had a few people who are just internet-only businesses, and and we sort of think, and which are, you know, valid. You know, the same as people who have who own who pay rent in a you know for a retail space, or whatever. You know, they're also valid businesses. But um, we're sort of working how we're going to promote them as well because we sort of feel that for this the thing we're trying to do is that we want people to have that kind of face-to-face -face interaction so maybe if you are just an online business doing jewelry for example or what it may be that's great obviously that's cool we want to be able to support you but i think we sort of feel that well again we need to we haven't decided definitely at the moment because it's the really days but we're sort of thinking well maybe if you do that's great but do you do, do you have to go to any of the are you in the parks of the reading and the markets or mm. it's opportunity people to meet you because i think otherwise you know, you can just go to Amazon or something and buy that product. Like that doesn't really interest me. Like, I want it to be more, more kind of community focused and yeah, and more face to face interaction. Because you know, otherwise they said you can just buy it from anywhere, and that's not really what, what we're trying to do. What uh, what places that have that have got in touch with you? What places have really intrigued you? What what are you thinking? As soon as I can, I'm 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 down there, going to have a look around. We've had a few. I mean, because at the start. Um, we put about sixty businesses on there, and then the last and each day go by, people get more people get in, in touch. So I mean, there's some some I knew, but like, like for example, Fun and Frolics got in touch the other day. <laughs> like, oh yeah, 
<laughs> so that's, I mean, like, where did we put that one? Because that's obviously not your standard business, as it were. <laughs> so that's one of the more interesting ones, the more, more fun ones. Um, but it's quite a few feed places. I like to, you know, quite a few restaurants and a few I didn't know about. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I can't really think of, I mean, the, the, fun, the fun of product sticks in my head because that's the most interesting random one. <laughs> um, you know, we had an accountant who so got in touch and, and we've got some tailors on there. We've got a mixture of things, but I mean, it's early days. We kind of definitely want to grow the, the categories and, and the businesses we're representing. Um, and then, you know, and also we're sort of hoping as well that the ones that are listed, you know, they tell other businesses and yeah. over time organically becomes its own thing, you know. Um, but the feedback to it has been really great so far. Um, you know, it's early days, but it's been really positive. So sort of feel we've kind of touched, you know, we've sort of touched people with something that they do are interested to explore. I think, again, even if people maybe don't end up buying from or using the services from, from these people, at least not now, the fact that they might know they're there, yeah. and they didn't before i think that's still a good thing you know because of course yes as you say it's not just shops is it it's accountants it's barbers it's it's all yeah. sorts of stuff yeah. um is it so so i know we talked about this just before but i think it's probably worth just talking about it uh while we're while we're while we're sort of on air is it is it just reading or are you looking to expand it out so initially we're just focusing on reading um and I think also just trying to find our feet, I think, with it a little bit. I mean, we've got, um, I think we've got Awoken one there, Finch Hampstead, I think Signcraft, Finch Hampstead, you know, so kind of reading the reading area generally. But um, the way we've designed the, the site that over time we can look to add areas, so, I don't know, for example, you know, if you go to Oxford, for example, or wherever it may be, you can look to add in the other areas. But yeah, I think for, in the short term, we just want to focus on sort of the reading area um, and kind of fine tune what we're doing and then obviously look to hopefully over time more forget of course and that's the other thing if, if you know there's like if those businesses say in henley suddenly get in contact then that then yeah okay well, there's you know yeah there's demand for that so um yeah i think we definitely want to in my head i you know i definitely want to see it sort of grow to encompass other areas over time you know definitely um so how do how do people get if people listen to this how do they get the business listed and are there are there any costs involved so it's um, free to be listed, um, so there's no cost there. Um, so basically, all you need to do is go to the, the Indie Shopper, the UK, and on our homepage, there's a, a Get Listed tab. And they literally go to that, fill in the blanks, we've sort of done a form, essentially. Um, that comes through to us, we sort of review it, and then we, we put it on there and let them know they're, they're listed, and, and that's it, really. Nice and nice and straightforward. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add, Dave? Um, well, just just obviously, I think it's been really great the, the feedback we've had so far, and I think we'd just really encourage as many independent businesses to kind of get in touch, really, because you know the way it will grow is is the businesses to kind of reach out to us and, and want to be part of it, and then they tell someone, and you know we tell someone, and yeah, sort of grows. But um, like I said, you know, it's, it's early days, but the feedback's been really good, and um, and uh, I think we've already learned a couple of things we're going to sort of tweak. And again, that's you only get that from, you know, putting something out there, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's the case, really. If anyone knows anyone wants to be listed um, or anyone feel we should we should list, you know, get to, you know, give us a, drop us an email or get them to contact us through the website and we take from there, really. Dave, thanks ever so much for joining us. Thank you.
The Big Interview. That was our interview with Dave Malt chatting about his new website, theindieshopper.co.uk. Um, Hugh, Rach, I was just wondering, what was the last independent business that you interacted with? The Hugh, it doesn't count. It's your girlfriend's shop. We can't have Yeah, that. my shop. <laughs> my shop. I'm in one right now. <laughs> um, uh, it was the baguette shop in Sonning Common yesterday, lunchtime. I went to bought two prawn Mary Rose baguettes for Ooh. our lunch. Lovely. And I do that once a week while working at home to support local trade and so I don't have to make lunch. <laughs> Rach, what about you? Um, I think it was probably the, I don't know if this will count, but the artisan market, pop-up market in Caversham. I think that counts. Last weekend, I went and, very similar to Hugh, went and bought lunch goodies, <laughs> pasties and sausage rolls and cakes oh. and stuff. A donut that was about as big as my head, and it was amazing. It had about half a jar of jam inside. It was lush. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I do try. I'm trying still not going to many shops, to be honest, unless it's necessary. But <coughs> we've got some good independence in Caversham. So. Excellent. Okay, well, we come on to this week's random question. The random question. Uh, this week's random question, guys. Um, oh, it's another absolute doozy. Hits the nail on the head. Oh, it's like like they're truly ra- they're truly not random. Even. Um, <laughs> what is the hottest you've ever been? Um, I was thinking possibly one night in O'Neill's about tw- two thousand and seven, roughly. I think um, that's probably the. I was, I was looking pretty dapper uh that evening um rach you may have been there i can't I was remember about to say yes you were was, yeah i was, was probably too busy just looking at myself really um <laughs> it's all, all been downhill since then um but you know there we go no uh, the hottest you've ever been as in temperature hugh i believe you have a story to tell us yes i do um the hottest i've ever been definitely wasn't in this country um it was in two th- the year 2000, after my friends and they finished our A-levels, we went on holiday to a place in Cyprus you may have heard of called Ayanapa. I don't believe you went. I need to see a ticket. Or no. A, I don't believe I've got some photos. I've got some photos of us all somewhere. I and, bet you uh, look exactly the same. I, I think I'm a bit heavier than I was then. <laughs> but apart from that, and I've, got, I've got a lot more grey hair. Um but you know, you rec- you recognise me. Won't deny it. Um, <laughs> and the temperature there, we went th- we went there during an unprecedented heat wave, um, and the temperature at one point reached a whopping forty five degrees, Ouch. which is by far the hottest I've ever been. And uh, it was an interesting trip. We were there for two weeks. Oh, first first night I got we got there, we went out and. We went out drinking, as you would, as you do on that tour. 
29 degrees at mid at two o'clock in the morning oh and, my god and uh it's one of those places where you're not supposed to drink the water out of the taps oh. so we all sort of staggered in and then fell, you know, fell in fell in a heat not in a heat fell onto our beds and got like the worst night's sleep you can possibly imagine but then i remember waking up the next morning and just feeling like a feeling the most dehydrated anyone could ever be so like a little with, husk <laughs> yeah with a headache a, a massive headache and not really knowing knowing where to go i had to go and find find liquid and drink liquid and find painkillers and then in uh i was i was at the, the the hotel by the swimming pool and then everyone else got up at about five o'clock in the afternoon and uh I'd been up for ages feeling terrible with, I think, a couple of my other mates just sitting and chatting. And everyone was like, Wee, let's, 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 let's start drinking. And I was like, 13 days left of this. Um, just to cut the, the, the other highlights of the holiday, including a large amount of the, par uh, the party getting ear infections and having to go on to uh, uh, go to the Cypriot doctor ear infections from the swimming pool um i i i was one of them had to go to the doctor and got some fairly potent painkillers um and no one got a suntan at all because you couldn't spend more than about 10 minutes in the sun without it becoming unbearably hot during the daytime and yes most people were asleep during the day yeah <laughs> i was not and and the other thing was that the uh, the short walk from the uh, from the shade to the pool was absolute agony because the concrete must have been about <laughs> fifty or sixty degrees. Are you not wearing so your you're, socks you're like, and sliders? No. No, no. It was it was a as is a, the fashion. A quick, a quick, you know those lizards that live in the desert, which don't ever put their feet down all at one time. <laughs> you can see them. We were like, it was like that. Then get in the pool, and then, uh, and then, Basically, if you've ever seen the Inbetweeners movie, that was pretty that much was our it. trip to Iron Apple. If you increase the temperature by about thirty-five, by about ten degrees. Yeah, I can only assume that you were dancing like Neil across the dance floor in that film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, doing the robot me, yeah. and so on. Yeah, I've got, I've got all the moves. That's <laughs> what I know. I know. Rach, we've just about got time to hear something from yourself. How? What's the hottest you've ever been? Well, I can't top forty-five degrees. That's pretty cra crazy. Uh, I think it must be when Rich and I went to Turkey, um, pre-Zachary and. It was probably high 30s, I think, and it was, you couldn't sit out in it. And there was, we could see just around the bay, this um, bar about, God, must have been like less than half a mile away, just on the cliff, all covered and shady and lush. And we were like, yeah, we'll just go there, might have a few beers in the shade. And we walked along the promenade bit and then we had to stop every hundred meters because it was just so hot that we just got <laughs> so tired really quick uh just have a little rest under this tree okay <laughs> next hundred meters so it took us yeah probably like an hour to walk half a mile it was it was crazy i love nice the idea place, that though. perhaps you were hallucinating this shady bar on top of a cliff 
Was it may show? well have been. May well have been. It was run by a little guy that looked like um, Francis Rossi of Status Quo. <laughs> Amazing. Complete Amazing. with ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's, uh, that's enough for this week. Thanks, guys. Um, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with the show. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, guys, it's been a sweaty pleasure. <laughs> Always. Always. And um, we should be back with a guest presenter next week. Um, hopefully I can get my ducks in a row um lined up your wagons uh, in a circle exactly wagons in a circle um we are obviously still looking for people to speak to we'll have uh, some interesting people to talk to over the next few weeks but if you have any suggestions please do get in touch via facebook or twitter uh, if you have a moment please give us a rating on your podcast app and give us a little review if you can um in the meantime we'll be back next week for more reading podcast goodness bye bye, bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. At the end of a long, hot, ridiculous week, I thought I'd just leave you with the sound.